This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So now Posey ranges away and Ballinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Bailey to left and out of here! And this game is over! I do not believe it! Hello there! Welcome to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here, as always, with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Coming off a weekend that was, whew, thank God for Patrick Bailey. That's that's not just the theme for this weekend, but for the whole season in general. This is episode 71 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Shasky, I think you're going to like this one. So uh, yesterday was the Giants' 28th game the Giants had played in the second half. Uh, in the 27 games prior... They had hit 204 as a team in the San Francisco era. Only one other team has hit 204 over a 27 game stretch. That was the Giants of 1971 for episode 71. So how's that one? I mean, I thought you were going to go Tyler Rogers on me, but you totally redeemed yourself. (laughs) I like to go and I like to go in different different directions. You always keep them on your toes. I was gonna go Trent Williams, Tyler Rogers. There's a, there's a random seventy ones in our life. I did not expect you to go seventy one Giants. Exactly, especially in such a roundabout way too. And you know what? That team won the division. So oh. Giants two hundred four over a twenty seven game stretch. Every time they've done it, they've won the NL West. So uh, book it there. The greatest comeback you're going to see in a long time. The Giants are going to be the 2023 NL West Division champions based off that uh, hey, that one fact, right? Thank God for Patrick Bailey, right? Oh, he absolutely saved what would have been a disastrous weekend. Let's start off with that, too. Just this past weekend against the Rangers, which was already an emotionally charged series yeah. with seeing Bruce Bochy back in town, mm-hmm. seeing him kind of in the in the other dugout again. So it was all, we're, we're going to get into Bochy in our next segment a little bit, but this was definitely an emotionally charged series, and it felt like Patrick Bailey really saved the weekend in a big way. Well, let, let's let's get into Patrick Bailey. I actually mm-hmm. think we'll get to this part. I think if you were going to be the most optimistic about Farhan Zaidi, it's because of Patrick Bailey. That's Absolutely. the lone person, and we'll get to that point in a second. He's batting nine for twenty-two with five hits over the last uh, like week or so of baseball. Uh, excuse me, nine hits, five walks, yeah. know, seven RBIs. He has been on fire right now. 
I was really worried. He was slumping. I mean, he was batting like 100-something uh, in the 20 games prior and has been red hot the last week. What that tells me, he adjusted to the league. Mm -hmm. The league adjusted to him, and now he's adjusting back. So I'm super excited. The defense is so obvious. Obviously, he's great when it comes to framing. He's got an unbelievable quick pop time, snap time, whatever you want to call it, throwing down to different bases. I think that his athleticism behind the plate is ridiculous, and his arm speed is ridiculous. But this bat, this bat rounding back into form, batting cleanup yesterday, being the clutch late-inning producer that he has been, if you want to point to one reason why you'd be optimistic and still have faith in Farhan, to me, it's because of Patrick Bailey. They took Joey Bart number two overall, the prior regime, the year just prior to Farhan getting here. Number two overall, a catcher. And within four or five months, Farhan's like, you know what? I've made my assessment. We mm -hmm. need to still double down and get this catcher. After just drafting the guy, number two overall. To me, that shows gumption. That shows I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to draft the best player that I believe is going to help us overall. He didn't hit right away in the minors, if we're talking about Patrick Bailey. He did get a gold glove, though. And the timing, the development, when to bring him up, They've hit on all of these things. Patrick Bailey, to me, if I was looking for one area to be optimistic on Farhan, it's because of number 14, Patrick Bailey. Oh, I absolutely agree. Honestly, I think Patrick Bailey has, I'm not going to say he's saved Farhan Zaidi's job because I don't think Farhan's job is really kind of in, in jeopardy right now. Okay. I don't think the seat is heating up right now on Farhan Zaidi. This I, I mean, it's it's funny how you're kind of talking about Farhan right here because I'm kind of sliding. Well, I'm in the trying to be. A, I'm right trying now. to be fair, Sam. No, I want to give him. No, you're I want to give fair. him love. Like no, when he are. does good things, I need to point it out. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think, yeah, identifying Bailey like he did when they already had Joey Bart in the system, that is definitely a ballsy move to be able to see, like, you know what? I think we need to 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 go in a different direction there. I think a part of it is also. You know, you're you're not going to overthink the draft. You know, you can never have too much catching in, in any system. Uh, catchers can be so valuable. When I saw them, when I when I saw the Giants draft Patrick Bailey, I never really saw it as like an indictment on Joey Bart. I saw it more as like you just that is just that you can't ever have too many catchers because you don't know what a prospect is going to be like as they mature through the system. You know, maybe you have a situation where Bart and Bailey are doing great, so you keep one, trade the other, kind of something like that. Good um, point. So I never really saw it as an indictment on Joey Bart. But when things start going south with Joey Bart and then Farhan's like, well, hey, it's a good thing we got Patrick Bailey here. That's the kind of move where it's like, all right, you know what? Whatever you were thinking when you drafted Patrick Bailey, I don't know. But the result of you drafting him is you've got a potential stud here coming up through this, you know, from this system. And yeah, he's making Farhan's anxiety look really good. As, as frustrating as this season has been, as disappointing as some of these free agent signings have been, you could look at Patrick Bailey and be like, you know what? I'm not saying that Farhan gets an A for this season, but if we're doing a pass fail, Bailey's keeping Farhan very much in the pass category because yeah, it's just if if the goal this year going into this uh, you know last off season was to get that star, be it Judge or Carlos Correa, yeah, the Giants failed there. If the goal this season was to find that star <laughs> within the organization, I'm not saying that Patrick Bailey is at that level yet but he's your closest bet. And the fact you have a guy you could point at and be like, that's a dude who we can kind of rally this team around. We didn't have that going into this season. And now we do point Farhan. Yeah. Well, he's not going to win the rookie of the year and, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you can't be an immediate mm. impact franchise type player. Like uh, I'm looking at a guy right now who is going to be a gold glove caliber player for how many years in a row here? 
mm-hmm. six, seven for a while. Eight? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to get too far down the road and say 15 years, like very few guys do. I mean, just watch Buster Posey, barely played a decade, right? So, like, it's a very physically demanding position. But every year that he's going to be in his prime, I think you could put him up for that gold glove. What has he done with the staff? Think about all the moving parts on this staff, and they've thrown all of that, all these openers, all this bullpenning, really only one established starter in Logan Webb. Cobb yeah. is, I guess, an established starter, but he's been Fading. scuffling yeah. before he got to the Giants. You know, oh, like, yeah, I agree. Continue. So, so like, think of what Patrick Bailey has had to shoulder behind the dish in terms of maintaining the staff. And he's done all that while also a bunch of guys who can't hold runners on gunning down anyone who wants to steal second base. No, I mean, the fact that teams still run on Patrick Bailey, it's like crazy. It's either you're a crazy or B, you just want to test him. You know, I feel <laughs> like when you have like those really fast dudes, like they just want to be able to see if you could beat yeah. him. And it's like, you know, if you if you lose, then all right, well, that that's why he's one of the best. But I look at Bailey and the whole people have been kind of comparing him to Buster Posey. I understand why people do. I don't really compare him to Buster Posey, like apples to apples, as you would compare him to Buster Posey. But he's very similar to Posey in that when Posey came up as a rookie, he had a very difficult to manage pitching staff, and he wrangled them in right away. He was working with a two-time Cy Young winner in Tim Lincecum who really liked throwing to Benji Molina. Buster was able to make that relationship work right away. Patrick Bailey coming in, this is a very advanced, you know, veteran-heavy pitching staff that he has handled very, very well. The maturity, the leadership he shows on the field, it's not so much what he does in the box score that makes you very excited about what he's going to be for this organization. It's those intangibles. It's the leadership he shows yeah. and the way he comports himself. I mean, honestly, you go around that clubhouse, he's very kind of mild mannered. He's not that loud. He's not that boisterous, but he kind of has that, you know, lead by example presence about him. Buster Posey was another one. Wasn't really the most outgoing public personality, but you knew he was leading by example in that clubhouse. He was being that general behind the plate and setting the tone for the pitchers, keeping them kind of, in a, in a in a good groove there and this is a very difficult pitching staff to catch not just yeah. in you know the 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 stuff and the different looks that these guys are throwing at you but the the situations that guys are coming into this is a very just yeah. the way they're doing the pitching this year it's weird and i want to get to kind of some comments about that that alex wood made in a minute but i think when you factor all that in i mean rookie of the year okay whatever he doesn't maybe he doesn't win that gold glove he absolutely should be on the short list of catchers in the gold glove conversation but again like i mentioned earlier as a potential franchise pillar, is he the four guy, the four hitter that he's going to clean up every night? Maybe not, but he is the guy who's like, you know what? Let's rally this team around this guy. We have a dude right now. We have some other guys who might be dudes in Luis Matos, maybe Marco Luciano. The future looks still very promising through all the gobbledygook that has been kind of these last few weeks for the Giants. Well, it sucks that Luca Marco Luciano hurt his hamstring, but I have a feeling we'll see him again at some point. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with Matos in center field? It sounds like maybe he gets demoted. I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I think that's you a think little premature. So. sure. What do you think? I think, I mean, Gabe Kapler kind of spoke about Matos over the weekend. His thing was like, basically, we have all the confidence in our young 21-year-old center fielder. Because they, they remember, they, on Saturday night, they had him play left field. Yes. And uh, someone asked him, you know, why are we putting him in left and not in center? And I think it was more just they, they want to try and do some positional versatility. You know the Giants love their positional versatility, one. And two, it's all because, like, you know what? He's had some rough goes out in center. Let's give him a break in left field as well a little bit. I don't think it's too much the ball's falling in front of him. I, I think like people are like pretending like Yaz is amazing out there. Like he's mm-hmm. fine. Yaz is a plus defender in center field. I don't think Slater's a center fielder. No. Uh, I'm not sure about Ramos in center field. That that was a little 
head scratching. I feel very good about Matos playing center in the long-term future. I mean, also again, center field at Oracle Park is very difficult. Uh, well, Friday night, yes. I think it was Leodis yes. uh, Tavares out in center. I think that's last night. Yeah, Tavares misplayed that Heli- Heliot mm-hmm. Ramos triple. Uh, Bruce Bochy was asked about that the next day, and he said, you know, yeah, I've seen lots of balls misplayed like that. It's a very difficult center field to play. Well, so, well, you know, it, these things do happen. Again, he's 21 years old. I'm yes. not going to overstress it. He's got but, a lot of baseball ahead of him. Now that you brought up Ramos screaming that ball, it's nice to see him this weekend. What the hell were they doing with A.J. Pollock? Like, for real. Like, I know I like you to, love... I like, I, to re- I like to think of it as they wanted to get Mark Mathias, but they just kind of had to throw A.J. Pollock in on the side. And then you bat him third? A week ago? Like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, that was a weird head scratch. You know, I feel like we're out of the woods on that one, though. Can, can, we, can, we, can we just look at each other and say, dear God, please, barring health, play Ramos at, over A.J. Pollock the rest of the year. I think if there's ever on that. If there's ever an opportunity to squeeze in Ramos instead of Pollock, do it. That's I, all I'm asking. I just want to see Ramos for the rest of the year. I agree with you there. I loved it. I don't know why they didn't just do that right off the rip. It, it makes no sense. But you know what? It doesn't really matter how you get from A to B. All that really matters is that you are at point for B. For sure. Before we move on, I want to talk about um, kind of some comments that Alex Wood said after uh, Saturday night's loss. He came in in relief for Alex Cobb when a uh, four and two thirds inning, I get innings, I believe. I don't have it off the top of my head. Uh, but it was, you know, a relief role that I'm not sure he was really ready for. He had thrown a bullpen session on Friday and uh, I want to just, just play his com. I'm gonna play his comments of what he said after the game and just kind of, I'll explain why they kind of stuck out to me. Most worlds I probably, you know, shouldn't have got sent back out there for the, you know, the last, the, the, the last inning, but you know, I know where we're at, what's been going on with, 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 with the team. And I mean, the, the only reason I said I was good to go back out for that last inning was literally for these guys in this in this clubhouse. That is the only reason. You know, I love these guys, and you know, I know we, we haven't been playing our best ball. And so, what do you make of that? Yeah, I was the way he said it too. The the emphasis he put on only the guys here in this clubhouse. It was the way he said it. It just it really stuck out to me when he did say it. Like I kind of snapped to attention when he said, you know, in the scrum and I followed that up. I asked him like, you know, so like guys are really kind of united with each other here in this clubhouse. And he kind of went on saying more like, yeah, you know, he loves the guys in his clubhouse. They have a very tight unit here in this clubhouse. They really like, like the guys on this team really like each other. But then I kind of were, and then I kind of twisted into, well, since you guys are all friends, does that make it easier to kind of turn this thing around? He's like, you would think, and kind of went off in a different tangent there. But I was kind of thinking, walk out of the clubhouse last night, only for the guys in the clubhouse, not anyone else, not the coaching staff or, or you know anyone above him, only the guys in the clubhouse. That makes me wonder, is there some sort of disconnect right now between the players and the coaching staff? I mean, I think this is a question that I need to redirect toward you. You're in that clubhouse all the time. I'm not. I'm sitting on my couch watching, <laughs> and, you know, scratching my you know what's and, and saying to myself, what, what, what the hell's going on here? Like yeah. when I watch Jock in right field, I was like, what are we doing? Like, I don't care yeah. if that's a blowout game. Like, what? why am I watching Jock struggle to play defensively in right field? What? what how is this on the spreadsheet? I did, some of the moves are very questionable. And I think you're kind of, that's the attitude you're seeing here. It's like, again, this has not been an ideal season. A lot of things have gone off the rails. The pitching Isn't that is kind of wild because they're, it really they're is. Like, like they're having a bad year. No, they're not. I mean, they're still in contention. They're still figuring out ways to put it together. Gabe Kapler, I think, has done an incredible job kind of piecing this puzzle together every night. But at the same time, like you look at a guy like Alex Wood, he clearly wants to start. He's clearly frustrated. He walks around with a dark cloud over his head. Now, I think that's just kind of who he is as a person. Um, but he, again, like, 
I see after every loss, guys are still talking to each other, still enjoying each other's company. But like, I don't know how much the coaching staff is involved in that. And, you know, we talked last year, you know, did Kapler lose the clubhouse last year? I never really saw anything that would truly, I think, stand out to me as that he did lose this clubhouse. But it's the second year in a row they've kind of had things not go according to plan. And it's just they felt stalled out at times. And comments like that make me wonder, like, I'm not saying that Gabe Kapler has lost the clubhouse. What I am saying is that that does feel like there are frustrations building up within these players that might be causing some sort of, I keep saying the word, disconnect with the coaching staff. And that that kind of worries me because the vibe in the clubhouse was not super great this past weekend. Well, what do you say to people that would say, I'm not one, but like people that would say, well, who the hell is Alex Wood? Like, who does he think he is? What do you, what do you say to that? Well, I think that's kind of fair on the one hand. I mean, I, again, he says he, he's a guy who really wants to start. Uh, Ross yeah. Stripling's another guy. He said, would he prefer to start or come out of the bullpen? He would prefer to start. Well, there's a great way to nail a spot in the starting rotation. It's called you pitch better. Well, here's the thing. Stripling, he's been fine in the second half, but he's been really getting screwed over by the one bad pitch-itis. And, but Alex Wood, it's just like, you say it all year. Doc, can you give me five innings? Can you get me 12 outs? Like, you can pitch well for a very short amount of time. Like you say you want to be a starting pitcher, but you pitch kind of like a reliever. So it's, it's hard for me to take your gripe seriously when you're not pitching very well. If he was, you know, going to the seventh inning or stuff like that, it's still showing frustration over things. That's one thing, but like, that's kind of one of the things that you control your destiny here, Alex, if you want to start, it's on you start, you know, pitch well enough to force these guys to put you into the starting rotation. That's more or less what Ross Stripling did. And again, they're still not fully committed to him on being in the starting rotation. Yeah, I, I man, I, I see all the sides of this and I feel like this is just another example of people are going to pick which crusade they want to choose on. Like you want to rip Alex Wood, you can rip Alex Wood here. If you want to rip Farhan for how he's dealing with them, you could rip them. I think your point about Gabe Kapler is the point that's the most important. I think given how lackluster the roster is and incomprehensive it is, it's a miracle they're at where they're at. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, if you would have told me that they would have basically 1.7, you know, starters, not even a, a full second starter, like because Alex Cobb's played pretty bad the last couple outings and he addressed that. I would say there's no way in hell he keeps his clubhouse together, given all of the individual things going on. How has he done it? No, he's done an incredible job. I don't know how he's doing it. Uh, I asked him before the game on Friday, you know, or yeah, on Friday, just with the bat struggling, how do you kind of keep guys from not falling into their own feelings? And he's just preaching a, 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 an aura of let's just relax. Let's just stay loose. Guys are going to press a little bit, but it's all about not getting too stressed out about it. You know, the core of this team is very veteran heavy. You know, and that's regards to Conforto, Flores, Jock, those guys. They've had their ups and downs before. And so they know how to get through this. I think you need them to set a tone for the young guys. Hey, let's not get too down. Everyone in this clubhouse, I think, is very good about not getting too high or too low. I do think Kapler is somewhat responsible for that. But he's just saying, like, let's just relax. Let's not stress out about it too much. And then, you know, he's burning sage and stuff like that in the dugout to try and, you know, get rid of all the the non-hitties. I can see if you're a baseball player kind of side-eyeing a lot of that or rolling your eyes when he talks about stuff like that. Um, Again, I'm not hitting red alert just yet. But it, it's if things go south a little bit more this week with, you know, with the Rays in town and then going yes. to the East Coast, take on the Braves and Phillies, not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye on right now. Hopefully it doesn't go too far off the rails because I do think that would undercut the great job that Kapler has done. Uh, 
but it was just it was very striking just the, the tone that alex wood came out with with those comments and there isn't it ironic it comes out the weekend that they're playing bochi and that I think just compounds all of that. So let's end up get into Bruce Bochy here in this next segment. You are listening to uh, the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lovin and Joe Shasky coming at you every week as often as we can with all the best Giants content out there. Make sure you're liking, reviewing, rating, subscribing, sharing, telling the entire world to listen to this podcast. Part of the Odyssey Sports Network here at 95.7 The Game. Bruce Bochy did hit did make his return, long-awaited return to Oracle Park this past weekend, and. It was uh, they, they gave him a nice little tribute before the game. He goes able to catch up with Brandon Crawford. So I'm taught, chatting with Ron Wotus. It was really cool having Bruce Bochy back in the ballpark. Seeing him in that Ranger blue, though, it was really weird. Shasky, what were your emotions when you saw Bochy on TV wearing that Texas Rangers hat? That was a lot of emotions. Um no, I don't think he should be coaching the or managing the Giants right now, though. I, I think he okay. needed that time off. I do. I think he needed that time off. I, I think the time had run its course. You know what I mean? Like a lot of I people agree. talk about a lot of people talk about um, you know, Jimmy Johnson leaving early, Bill Walsh leaving early, and you know, Bruce Bochy kind of admitted he needed to hit the reset and then he missed it again. I think all of us can relate to that in different like life settings, whether it's work, whether it's a relationship. Um, we've all needed to hit pause, take a deep breath and then go back at it. I mean, he was there for 15 years prior, essentially. I mean, mm -hmm. a, a long yeah, run. A great run. No, he did. That like it was only there like seven or eight years. Uh, so, and I also think that this, this is my bigger takeaway. I thought he outmanaged Gabe Kapler, uh, and Farhan at times. And I thought he was oh, absolutely, especially on Saturday night when he pulled Heaney after an exactly. inning and two thirds, whatever that and got absolutely uh flummox the giants basically at their own game it reminded me a lot of the playoffs in 2021 when the, the dodgers were trying to force the giants hands into into matchups and burning players that they don't want to burn or using them against a guy that they don't want to use old school baseball is always going to be around the game's old i know mm -hmm. we want to get into the advanced analytics and the new ways to play and blah 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 the game's 200 years old and some of the old school methodology still works not all of it Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not here to say that all of it works because some things do get extinct and evolve uh, differently. But, man, I, my bigger takeaway was that Bochy's going to be a factor in the playoffs, dude. Oh, that yeah, team is stacked. I want to touch on that. But first, I want to get into the whole whether or not he should have left argument, because I am in agreement with you. I think it's and you and I kind of had this discussion last year. I remember you asked me, like, you know, you couldn't find a way to make it work with Bruce Bochy if you're Farhan Zaidi. And for a while, I kind of disagreed with that. I'm like, but first off, like, yeah, I remember just at the end of 2018, just, just for fun over the weekend, I, I kind of looked at some of the offensive numbers the teams put up in 2018. And the Giants were like in a different universe with the terms what of what they were doing offensively. It was like you, the, the home run leader for the 2018 Giants was Evan Longoria with 16. Gorky's Hernandez was number two at 15. This was the year when like everybody had like two, three, four, third, you know, 20 home run guys. Everyone had a 30 home run guy. Isn't it ironic? Because right now the I think the Giants and we're in the middle of August. What's their leader? 15? Something like that. Yeah. Looking very 20. Come on. Like, so that that's not a good sign. But it's like watching the Giants like back in 2018. I mean, this wasn't a case of like, you know, they're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. This is like the Giants are, you know, the, every, the rest of the league's playing chess and the Giants are playing Parcheesi or something like that. Like they just looked like they did not fit in with the rest of Major League Baseball. And yeah, I think you needed a change. They just they needed to hit a fresh reset. 
and go in a completely different direction. And I always point out what Larry Bear said about finding that next gen thinking, that you know, next gen thinking general manager. And moving off of Sabian Evans, it made sense at the time. The whole theory, and there's a lot of people who still believe this for some reason that you know Larry brought in Farhan, and then Farhan just forced Bruce Bochy out. I, I don't think there's any evidence that supports that. I think it was just we were in a situation where the game, I think, was changing. Bochi, I felt, was maybe running out of gas. And it was either – it was the last year of his contract. They could have either unceremoniously fired him like they did with Brian Sabian and, or Bobby Evans. Or, you know, it's like, hey, this is a natural stopping point, and this seems like a good time for maybe we just – to, to get off. Shasky, at the All-Star break of 2016 – you know, remember that Sunday night before the All-Star game, June, uh, July 10th, Madison Bumgarner took the mound against the Diamondbacks on Sunday night baseball and put on just an absolute show. Giants were 57-33 and 33 at that time, best record in baseball. Since then, the, next, the two and a half years that followed, they were 167-229. and 229. They were really, really bad. Is that on Boach or is that on Sabian and Evans? I like, think it's I think it's just a collective it's a okay. collective there. Okay. I think you kind of all three of them. Uh okay. there was a lot of just, you know, I think one of the reasons maybe the Giants were reluctant to try and do a rebuild with Bochi is Bochi kind of had a reputation of being loyal to his guys. I remember when Bochi but did they came, even do a rebuild? Like honestly. Sort of yes and no. But okay. I remember when Bochi first came here in 2007, <laughs> a lot of fans weren't on board with him because they wanted to see young guys. Yeah, it and was a he's throwing, higher. You know, we wanted to see, you know, Nate Scherholz and, you know, in right field, not Randy Wynn. We wanted to see Dan Ortmeyer at first yeah. base, not Lance Ryan Negro. Klesko, you know, or, or Lance Necro or whoever. So Emmanuel Burris. And yeah, it took fans a while to embrace Bruce Bochi as well. And I think it was just a situation where you have a new guy coming in, a new philosophy. It just made sense to move off of him. The moment I'll always remember, it was late in 2019. I forget who they were playing, but the Giants were down like a run or so in the eighth inning. Uh, and Brandon Crawford stepped to the plate against a left-handed reliever. And I'm just thinking, oh, man, I can't wait for next year when we don't have to deal with this anymore. Because I was just so tired of seeing guys like Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt coming up in the eighth inning against the lefty and Bochy's still trying to run with them. Well, it's like, no, why don't we bring some righty off the bench and try and get a better matchup? Cause that's what other teams are doing. <laughs> and I was just, I was just so done with that. And it, it hurt me to think that because this is, you know, my manager here, but it was just like one of those moments where it's just like, Bruce, I love you. It's just time. Is there any way in your mind you could see him staying with the Texas Rangers longer than he was with the giants? I mean, he's 68 right now, and so that would be, what, 13, 14 years? I mean, that would take him up to age 80 if he did I mean, Jack that long. Jack won, won a ring late in his life. I mean, again, I'm just, I'm just asking. No, I mean, I think one of the reasons why Bochi needed to take time off was obviously, you know, we talked about his heart. I mean, dude had, like, what, three stents put yeah. into his heart in the last few years? And, I mean, keep in mind the kind of games that he had to manage with the Giants. The Rangers, I mean, this is this is something I asked him about on uh, on Friday. You know, I said, you know, when you were with the Giants, you had so many close games. Is it nice having a Rangers lineup that can put up so many runs on any given night? And he, he chuckled about that. And he said, you know, yeah, part of him did miss the torture and stuff like that. The first thing he said was point out that they got shut out by the A's, you know, two days prior. So <laughs> classic Bochy there. Um, it, what do you think I, of the Rangers? What, real quick. You think they're actual World Series contenders? The offense is definitely that's a World Series offense. You got a World Series caliber manager. I think the Astros are still a very dangerous team. The Orioles look like a very dangerous team. But if you're talking about just kind of that having that savvy leadership atop your team, 
Rangers and Astros look as good as any with you I'm know really Dusty Baker. Which, of course, how fun it would be for Giants fans to watch uh, Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker duke it out in the ALCS. Probably Bochy there, a because you know Bochy actually won a title with the Giants, whereas Dusty didn't. And two, I mean, as much as I love Dusty, the Astros still have that taint of okay. the of the of the uh, cheating scandal that. I think, and I mean, whereas, I mean, hey, if you're going to cheat, do it against the Dodgers. I don't care. But at the same time, like, I feel like the baseball fan of me probably still Wait. has to shame them a little bit. Like the Dodgers who extended their NLS lead? Yeah, eight and a half up. But remember, you know, just like the two, uh, 1971 Giants hit 204 over 27 games, you're going to win the division. Um, but I do want to talk about, you know, the, the Bochy versus Kapler dynamic. And you always say you never want to be the guy after the guy. And so that's a really tough situation for Gabe Kapler to be in. It, this had to be a weird weekend for Gabe Kapler, right? Uh, absolutely, it had to be a weird weekend. I mean, you, you're looking over at the guy whose shadow casts, uh, you know, miles long uh, in Bruce Bochy and universally was loved. Uh, mm-hmm. Not early on, but obviously when you're the guy that hangs that first banner for this team, you're going to be loved forever. He did it three times. Three mm-hmm. different center fielders, three different aces, three, three different, different closers, closers. Yeah. right? Like, that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it was really hard for Gabe Kapler this week. And I also think it's a lot harder when your team isn't very good in terms of like top to bottom, like Brandon Crawford's two for his last 22. He's got 16 hits in his last 97 at bats. Yeah. Not good. You know, Lamont Wade has not looked good lately. Um, been really up and down. He had a great series against the A's last week and it's been eh, since then JD Davis. eh, You know what I mean? Like the guys who are carrying this team have not been good. So that reflects poorly on Gabe Kapler. It did. It's not his fault. He's not the one going up and getting at bats. Slater has come back down to earth. Mm -hmm. No, there's really no one in this lineup you can trust right now. And yeah, that does make it difficult for Gabe. Friday night, you could really see it on his face. Like he was just, he looked defeated on Friday night. And I think there's I mean, the fans are cheering for Boach. Yeah, I think that had to grade on him a little bit, understandably so. It's tough. I mean, but I look, if there's ever a reason, if you're Gabe Kapler to still not feel too down on yourself, it's just remember that it took this fan base a long time to truly embrace Bruce Bochy. Agreed. I mean, I was not a, I was out on Bochy for the longest time. I wanted someone who's going to play younger guys, and Bochy just really wasn't doing that. For me, and I think a lot of other Giants fans, any moment of doubt that you had in Bruce Bochy was the Don Mattingly uh, double mound visit in uh, July of 2010. I think if if you were a doubter of Bruce Bochy at that point, you you could not be anymore because he did what you want every Giants manager to do. He made the Dodgers look stupid on their own field, and he just he got Mattingly on a technicality, and then it was like, okay, I'm gonna ride with this dude and ride with this dude. We did, you know, it could be something yeah. as small as that 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 changes things. Again, Gabe Kapler, Bruce Bochy, they're two very different people. You know, the the whole Bochy manages with the gut. Gabe doesn't because Gabe doesn't have a gut. But the point is, like, if you can't, I don't think you can compare the intuitions of these two because Bochy has 20 plus years of experience on Gabe Kapler. And that's just, there's nothing that Gabe could do about Damn. that other than just manage more games. Breaking news uh, for your boy Farhan. Hearing, this is Andrew Bagley, hearing that the Giants have DFA'd outfielder Luis Gonzalez. Got caught up in a numbers game with so many outfielders on the 40-man. Lots of candidates to be called up today. Newcomb, Fitzgerald, Carmaggio, obviously Harrison. Wade Meckler was another name that people were referencing. Wow. Oh, no. What do you think anyway. of that? Luis Gonzalez, DFA'd. Oh, no. 
anyway, uh, back to what we were saying about Bochi and Kapler. So you don't but, care at all. I could not care. Okay, that's great. That's one less dude who doesn't know how to run the bases on this team. I, Luis Gonzalez, I didn't even know he was still on the team, to be honest. Like the fact that like he was on the IL and people were talking about, what was it Farhan said at the, at, before the All-Star break? Oh, he could be a plan in the second half. Like that was one of those, like I had to stifle a laugh because like, come on, man, that's more ridiculous than you believing the pitching depth. So, all right, you know what? Hey, I mean, we're, we're not going to try and force the Luis Gonzalez experience anymore. I'm happy about that. Does Tyler Fitzgerald get called up? Sure, that would be really cool. I think that would be a good defensive uh, help there. I know he's been swinging a hot stick lately. Wade Meckler, though, every single prospect nerd who I talk to is got nothing but good things to say. Okay, about explain Wade to people Meckler. who he is, where's he from, what positions. I think he's in like the, the low A or double A right now. I think he's an outfielder. It's just from what I've heard, I don't know a whole lot about him other than the dude's got a really good bat. He plays really well and he's he's everybody's sleeper prospect uh, in the Giants farm system. So that's all I really have to say about Wade Meckler now. I'd have to talk to someone who's more in the know uh, about Wade Meckler to get more out of him. Uh, that might be a, a good question for Mark DeLucci with uh, Fan Nation. He knows his farm system on right. the back of his hand. So, but yeah, Wade Meckler, that's, an idea, that's a name to keep an eye on there. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lovin and Joe Shasky coming at you every week with all your best Giants content. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, share, tell people. Uh, Odyssey Sports Network 95.7 The Game. Shasky, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you next because even though you're like, what, a mere 10 years older than me, I feel like you exist in like a completely different generation of Giants fandom than I do. Okay. So like, for instance, I say, who's your first baseman? You say, Will Clark. I say, Brandon Belt. Oh, Two God. first base, like a like so far apart from each other. But generationally, that's just who I relate to. I don't really know a whole lot about the 1993 Giants, mainly because I was like, you know, months old when that team was, you know, doing its thing. Okay. But I do know about the 93 Giants is it is a team that we talk about some of the great teams in, in San Francisco Giants history. I mean, obviously you have your three World Series championship teams. There's the 1962 team that won the first pennant. There's the 89 team that, you know, went to the World Series against the A's. Right up with those teams, though, is that 1993 team that won 103 games Shasky, you were what, 13, 12, 13 years old when that mm -hmm. team was was mm -hmm. doing its thing. What do you remember about that season? What about that 93 Giants really kind of well, they had one foot out the door, door the same way that the Oakland A's have one foot out the door right now. And then mm -hmm. uh, this is in the offseason prior. They had traded away Kevin Mitchell for Billy Swift, Mike Jackson and Dave Burba. And mm -hmm. then they signed the free agent of Barry Bonds, who was going to go to the Yankees. And so not only did you keep the team, you signed the local boy, one of the best players in baseball, the reigning MVP, Barry Bonds. And the 93 team, I mean, I just off, I close my eyes. John Burkett, wow. Billy Swift, Trevor Wilson, Bud Black. I was that was Brian Hickerson on that team, I believe, as one of the fives. Yeah. Um, look him up. He might be on there. Uh, behind the dish, Kurt Manwaring. Uh, first base, Will Clark, Robbie Thompson at second base, Royce Clayton, a young Royce Clayton at shortstop, mm -hmm. third base, Matt Williams, right field, Willie McGee, Darren Lewis in center, Bonds in left. I mean, I think, er lineup. I, I think Ernie Riles was in there somewhere. Maybe a young Steve Decker was playing behind the dish behind uh, behind Kurt Manwaring. I mean, th that was a load out of the bullpen. Rod Beck out of the bullpen, Mike Jackson out of the bullpen, Dave Burba out of the bullpen. Um, I believe they got Mark Gardner a couple years after. It might have been 95. Mm -hmm. um, who am I missing? Uh, I think you got most of them. There's, there's, I'll say this. There were a lot of coaches on that team. Uh, Dave uh, Martin. Wendell Kim, Rest in peace. Bud, yeah, Bud Black was on that team. Dave yep. Rigetti, Matt Williams, we already Dave said. 
That lot one. of lot of coaching on that team too. Rigetti started game one sixty two instead of uh, excuse me should have started game one sixty two instead of Solomon Torres. Young yeah. Solomon Torres. Who was there for the reunion? Uh, not a huge list. Darren Lewis was there. Trevor Wilson was there. Barry obviously was there. Uh, not a huge list because a lot of the guys who were on that team, as I said, I mean you got a lot of coaches there. A lot of guys just have jobs elsewhere in baseball. Um, the only names that really stuck out to me were D. Lou and uh, Bonds. Um, everyone else it was just like my, I actually ran into my dad at the game. He was like, Oh, Hey, Trevor Wilson. I kind of remember that guy. Yeah. So, so Trevor, Wilson, just- Trevor Wilson used to smile like this <laughs> when he would look into to pitch and he'd nod with his as I have a, a, a whole grin. He had this like nervous condition where he had to smile at all times. Number 32. Interesting. Yeah. So Bud black wore 40. So the reason I kind of want to bring this 93 team up is that, they have a lot of similarities, I think, to the 2021 team. Uh, you know, neither really, you know, both teams were kind of uh, record-setting seasons that came mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Uh, they were the only winning season in a stretch of six years, you know, 91 to 96, whereas last year's only winning stretch from 97 to 2022. Um and they both kind of had that we're back feeling. The yeah. 93 team, it was, you know, like you said, they were had one foot out the door, and then they come back and have this incredibly magical season. The 2021 team, they weren't one foot out the door, but it felt like the world had one foot out the door. Come back <laughs> at 21, point. coming off the pandemic. Uh, both teams it was the their- final season of Will Clark in a Giants uniform. It was yeah. the final year of Buster Posey. Yeah, and both teams kind of had that. Yeah, their generational guy and Bonds and Posey as well. Uh, both teams kind of had new managers for the most part. That was Dusty Baker's yeah. first season. It was Gabe Kapler's first full season. So there's a lot of similarities there. Do you think that the 2021 team ever gets honored in the same way that that 93 team does, though? Who? Yeah, but it'll probably take 20 years. I mean, I, I, yeah. minimum 20 years. I think it's the first time they honor the 93 team, isn't it? I don't recall them doing that like in, in 13. I was really disappointed they didn't wear the jerseys, too. The 93 oh. jerseys. What are we doing? We're having a 90s night and we're not wearing 90s throwbacks. Like, come on, Giants. What are we doing here? Totally agree. I don't get what they were doing. At one point, they uh, do the 90s finish the lyrics thing. They have like this 13-year-old kid up there. It's like, what's this kid know about the 90s? Like, it was the last time the Giants had two 20-game winners. Bill yeah. Swift and John Burkett. Last they had any 20 game winners what um, yeah they haven't had 20 game winners since 90 schmidt never won 20 no schmidt had 18 bumgarner had 18 lincecum had 18 they've not had a 20 game winner since john birkin and billy Swift. no one's gotten 19 my, my there, i don't think there's been a 19 in there either they've all stalled out wow. at 18 wow, wow. That, that's one of the low-key wilder wow. what do you think what do you think the giants snap first a homegrown all-star outfielder or a 20 game winner i mean who's the last 30 home run guy uh, in the bonds division or the non-bonds division? I mean, it was bonds in 2004. You have to go back to 2002 when Jeff Kent hit 30 home runs to find a non-Barry Bonds. Uh, 21 hitter. years since of not. Wow. I know. There's a lot of streaks the Giants still need to end. I feel like I had a guy go for 120 RBIs. That, that probably was also Barry Bonds. Again, this is all like any offensive category. <laughs> when was the last time? It's probably Barry Bonds. Yeah, it's um, true. But just kind of talk oh, by the way, I'm taking the 93 yeah. team. I'm sorry. I'm taking the 93 team all day. You know, I think that's where that generational divide comes in. in. I feel like that 21 team would probably handle things there because, again, the cheeky thing to say is the 21 team played playoff games. You know, again, circumstances, blah, blah, blah. But I do wonder if this. the reason that maybe fans won't want to jump on that 2021 team and remembering them is it? it feels like there's part of it is because the whole Farhan factor. Fans, I don't think are 
don't want to put the 21 team on the same level as that 93 team because the 93 team that just had this more nostalgic factor, I think, but also I mean, signified the start of the bonds era. Yeah. But like no one really wants to jump all in on Farhan okay. right now. And so when you put the 21 team on the same level as that <laughs> beloved 93 team, Here's it's almost like you're, you're giving Farhan credit that fans maybe don't want to give uh, yeah, him. I, that, that might be too deep. That might be too deep for me okay. to, to subscribe to. I just think that what that 93 team signified was like the giants are here to stay, right? Yeah. They're here to stay. And Dusty Baker taking over for Roger Craig that year. Here's what I want to ask you. Non-World Series moments for Buster Posey. I contend that home run is a top five moment for him. Which which home run? The home the, run, game one against the Dodgers, first in yeah. game one. That one there. My, my non-World Series Buster Posey moment is forever going to be his grand slam off Matt Latos. Everyone's um, going to have that in the top yeah. five. What Everyone's else? Gonna have their, that was what uh, is up what there else? as well. Uh, Heather, not great in World Series. Off the top of my head, I mean, the homer off Jansen that earlier that year. That's right. There's that as well too. Um, in the playoffs, I mean, Buster Posey. I mean, he, he was pretty just. He didn't have any huge moments in the playoffs. He was just kind of a steady presence in the playoffs. Why? Where, where are you going with this? Well, I'm just saying. Like, I I think yeah. the one thing that that 2021 team has that the '93 team doesn't have. Like, you're to your point. Like, they didn't have the playoffs. That playoff moment, that alone, that Buster Posey moment, I think I is one of the greatest. Again, non-World Series winning moment. That's one of his, fa- one of my favorite Buster yeah. Posey moments of all time. No, I think that's definitely up there. And I think Buster that's the- off the Dodgers yeah. game one. The place is going crazy. The water shooting out of the right field. Like I, I don't know. I just. Sam, I'm no, I remember that. No, I was, I was about it. I think, I think we had to cut a Warrior game at that same time, so it was like kind of dual screening at that time, and so it's like you want to celebrate, but at the same time, you know, Steph just hit a three. I got to cut this really quick, but I was there I, with my cousin and my wife, yeah. and it was one of the coolest moments I've ever been in sports. I think the, before we kind of wrap things up here, I guess. The one reason why I think that the 21 team maybe doesn't get as much love as the 93 team is, like you said, the 93 team, it was the beginning of something new. Yes, the Giants didn't have another winning season for a couple years after that, but it was the beginning of something new in the Bonds era. You know, the Will Clark era ended, the Bonds era began. With 21, though, like it was great because the Posey era ended, but there was no new era to follow it up. And I feel like that takes some of the shine off of 21. They did lose. You lost to the Dodgers. The 93 team had their playoff hopes dashed by the Dodgers. It always got to be the Dodgers because that's the Giants Dodgers rivalry. Um, Before we get out of here, Shasky, I do want to talk about this race series we have coming up. Um, We are recording this on Monday hours before first pitch of this race series. Um, I don't know if the Giants are catching the Rays at a good time. They've had a lot of injuries in the pitching front. They just lost Shane McClanahan, which devastating for the Rays, horrific for my fantasy team. Um, but when I look at the Rays, I guess I, I, here's the question I want to ask you there. If you're Larry Bear, would you fly down to St. Petersburg with a Blake check, rock, walk into uh, the president of baseball operations for the Rays, uh, Eric Neander, Slap that blank check down the table and say, write whatever number you want on this. I want you and everybody under you to come work for me and run the Giants. Would you do that? Man, that's a tough question because I kind of thought that's what we were getting with Farhan Mm -hmm. when they brought him in here. And have you seen a blank check? No, it's not. It's not been blank check worthy for sure. I mean, it's been it's been defined price. Like if I wrote down the number 
and then gave it to Farhan. Like, yeah, I feel good there. Not blank check worthy. It just seems like the Rays always seem to be at the forefront of finding no new and exciting ways to no win doubt. baseball games. But they're also and, in a, on a, a, hot, a lot of hot water. We'll find out more about this Wander Franco situation. Yeah. It's not good. No, that that is a very bad situation there. Um, outside of the Wander, that's kind of it's it's tough to really talk about the race without talking about Wander Franco right, right now. Um, but I don't want I don't really want to focus on that. I just want to focus on just the things the Rays do do well, which is they do they're incredible at finding this undervalued talent for very cheap. And I look at you know the Dodgers they plucked Andrew Friedman out of that organization and turned their team into a dynasty. Then on the flip side though, you got. The high and blooms of the world, who I call high and bloom East Coast Farhan, and that very analytically focused, had a great reputation ahead of him before he was hired away from his previous team. And ever since getting to the Red Sox, man, we, we think Farhan's had struggles. You want nothing of what high and blooms had to deal with over in Boston there. So it can go either way. I just look at the Rays, it's like, yeah, I would absolutely love to have the way they think running things here with the Giants, even if it meant having to move off of Farhan, just because the Rays, it just it seems like they always find new and exciting ways. Uh, before we get out of here, one name I want us to keep an eye on in this series, uh, Shasky, is Jose Siri. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but Jose Siri, who's hitting, he's hitting 216 right now with a 773 OPS and 23 home runs, which would lead the Giants. I don't know if you remember, but uh, he was, hold on, Sorry, Siri is going off on my phone because I'm saying Jose Siri. Um, Jose Siri was a giant for a couple minutes back in 2020. Do you remember that at all? No, Shasky? I don't remember that. Of course, no one remembers that. So that's some. That's, I'm gonna keep an eye on him this week. <laughs> I expect him to go like you know eight for 13 with three home runs against this team because uh, that's one again. Giants could have had Jose Siri, and I think he definitely would have been a big help for this team. And I'm not saying we crush Farhan for it. Uh, unless again he goes eight for thirteen with three Damn, home runs. Never change. I love you. Just <laughs> never change. Ever. Ever. I refuse to ever change. Anyway, this has been episode seventy-one of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. <laughs> a couple programming notes. Um, I had a chat with Ryan Walker before Friday night's oh, game, nice. so that will be coming out later this week. I got to do some nice. editing on it. The uh, the audio was eh, not super great. That's okay. Um, Thank so you. I'll be coming that. out later this week, and then. Uh, We'll see what goes on next week after the Giants uh, take on the Rays and Braves. Uh, I will be there. Shasky will be there. And uh, we hope to see you there on the next one.